Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. So we're moving through uh, Peter's letter, and what I have found difficult is that it's very dense. And like what Joey just read felt like, I'm sorry, can we, can we read that, reread that maybe three or four more times? Because there's a lot happening. Uh, PD, can we get a story? Can, can you just pause and give us a story for once? And he doesn't do that. He just gives some really thick concepts, which are great. They're just hard to follow sometimes. So I'd like to offer for you what was made clear, clearer for me this week through, through this passage. And, and maybe we'll offer some clarity for you as well. Let me pray for us as we move into into God's word here. Jesus, thank you so much for uh, the time that we get to have together, that we get to grow together, learn together, that we get to lean on one another as Peter writes this letter to a collective, that we get to see ourselves the same way, we get to lean on each other, the community matters. Allow us to lean on this community this morning. In your name we pray, amen. So what we got to look at last week, a quick recap from last week, is that uh, Peter shows us these three uh, organizations that we've got to be subject to. And he, use, he uses that word, be subject, be submissive to. And he says, be, be submissive to uh, the, the, the government. He uses the word emperor. Be subject to your boss. He uses the word masters. And be subject to your husbands. Uh, and I think what's, what's really difficult about some of these is that, you know, be subject is a tough word. But then we see this line that's very, very explicit that says, uh, husbands, or, or, yeah, husbands, be aware that women are the weaker vessel. And I go, ooh, is that, is that for us today? Or is this just kind of like, this is just really old and, and Peter doesn't really get it. And what was really helpful is to unpack some of that and recognize P- Peter is actually doing a defense of women, saying in society, you know, talking to the people at the time, in society, women are being owned. W- women are property, and, and they are the lesser than. He is saying in society, society views them as weaker, but they are not. But they have the same value as men even though you don't treat them that way. So start treating them that way. And these are like really, really powerful words because uh, this, this is contrary to the, to the movement at the time. And it might even feel contrary to us today. There's a gender wage gap is still being talked about. Do, do women have the same amount of rights? These are things that are really, really difficult, and it's not like they've just gone away, right? And so Peter's letter can feel really relevant to us now. So that, that was last week. And in light of being, being subject to all of these things, he, he also like points out, do good, do good works under these institutions, even when they're unjust, even when they're not fair, even when they're hurtful to you. Because if you do, if you, if you do good things, uh, eventually they will be. Like, who, who could reject you for doing good work? And then we get to this person in the letter that asks the question, but what if it, what if it doesn't stop? What if the bad, even after I'm serving, doesn't stop? Then what do I do? 
And that's really, really challenging stuff. And I think one of the, one of the first things that we have to recognize is what Peter talks about is blessing. And if I am going through suffering, which, which is who he's writing to, people who are going through suffering, what if I'm serving and I'm still getting mistreated, I'm doing a, I'm doing a fantastic job, I'm going through the suffering, I'm no longer blessed. And Peter, I think that we have to understand a different definition of blessing because oftentimes we see blessing more as the uh, right hand, the left hand side of material comfort and a life of ease, right? That the, if you've ever been on vacation, it feels like this is blessing. And then you get back home and you're like, oh, wait a minute. Th- this isn't nearly as comfortable or, or nice. Is my life suffering and vacation is blessing? But instead, Peter offers us a new definition of what blessing is. And it's this, this right hand side is a relationship with God is particip- participation in his purpose. And this, this is much different, right? Because th- then this means that you can be suffering and have blessing still at the same time. You, you can be suffering, your, your boss can be mistreating you terribly, but you can still have a relationship with God. You can still be living out his purpose. Wait a minute, blessing at the same time? What about hashtag too stressed to be blessed? What, what about that? Is that true? No, erase that from your mind. You can be stressed and you can be blessed. You know, let's start a new movement here. There's going to be six posts under that hashtag. That the, the, the beauty of what Jesus is offering us is a relationship no matter what. That you can have him and his goodness no matter your circumstances. This, this is good news for us because we're going to go through a lot. We're going to go through a lot of ups and downs. We're going to go through a lot of pain. We're going to go through a lot of joy. And we get to know that Jesus is present through all of it. He doesn't come and go. One of the things that, that was really noticeable for me in this is recognizing that we get, you know, Jesus isn't walking around right now. And so when do we get to have that kind of relationship or purpose with him? And oftentimes it's through each other. It, that, it, that Peter is writing this letter to others, to a collective who get to then walk with each other in the middle of their suffering. And this, I feel like this happened to me recently whenever I was Someone got to be Jesus for me. I was at this conference, and I was recognizing I'm sharing a lot of the stuff that's like, I don't really recognize the purpose for my life. I feel like I'm not good enough. And just like really floundering. And this guy I had not met before, he was an accountant from Iowa. He did not speak at all at the conference. He was just a participant and was very, very quiet. And at the end of the conference, he comes up to me and says, puts his hand on his shoulder, my shoulder and says, I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you and, and you're going to be all right. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, thank you for being Jesus for me in that moment because I needed it. And also, like, what a, like, of course that was Jesus. Like, such a humble moment. It wasn't the main stage speaker who came up to me. It, it was the guy I'd never met and had never spoken. And, and it was exactly what I needed. We get to do this for one another, as he did it for me. So the letter that we're looking at today starts with the word finally, which is like, like a summary statement. So these are moments that we should really be paying attention to. If you zoned out at the first part of his letter, hey, you get to come back now and know that what he's saying is kind of like a wrap-up. And what he offers here is a list. 
right in the beginning here, we get to see a list of five things of a way to live. Do we have any list makers here in the room today? Who likes to make lists? Oh, here we go. Here we go. If you didn't put your hand up, no shame. You're in my camp. You're in my camp. He's like, I'll make a list later, and then you just forget all the things. So Peter is a list maker, and he makes this list to say, uh, live this way. So we got to remember, this, is, this isn't like in the middle of good times, Peter's writing to people. Peter is writing to people in exile who are suffering. In the middle of your suffering, live in this way. Live with brotherly love, where you're, where you're seeing everybody with compassion. Live with a tender heart. In the midst of it being, of stuff being taken from you, life being taken from you, give back compassionately. This is really difficult and really challenging. One of the things that's, that's been really uh, shaping for me as I've been reading 1 Peter is recognizing that, that the author, Peter, is someone who walked with Jesus, some, someone who followed alongside him. And so when he's writing, like, what does it mean to be a Jesus follower? He's writing from his perspective of following Jesus. Someone, so, so I'm like, when he makes this list, does, does Peter have in mind moments when Jesus did these things? You know, I, I'm making this up, of course. So this, this is my imagination painted onto the author Peter. Uh, but when, when he talks about, when Peter writes about unity, can he just naturally think of the 12 disciples that Jesus gathered are some really opposite people? That he gathers a tax collector, someone who is Jewish working for Rome, who's the oppressor, and then Jesus gathers someone who's a zealot who is killing Romans? and people who serve Rome, and he puts them in the same group. And then, and then Peter writes, unity of mind. Maybe in the same way that Jesus gathered dissimilar people and said, you have value, and I want you to help express that value to others. And, and maybe when he's talking about tender-hearted, there's this story where this huge crowd of people is gathered around Jesus and they're going to someone important's house to heal his daughter. And along the way of this giant crowd, he, gets, he feels a tug on his cloak and he pauses and goes, who touched me? And then turns to this, this old woman who had been bleeding for 12 years and he pauses the entire movement, turns to her and asks her to share her story. And in the middle of a rush, he gets interrupted and he is tender with this woman. Like, like, is this what Peter is thinking of when he makes this list? Is he thinking of Jesus in a, in a way that is like, I was there and it shaped my life. And, and one of the ways that we get to do that, that we get to be with Jesus, is returning to his word over and over again. We've returned to the Bible over and over again and read about who he is and what he's done. So one of the really, really difficult pieces is this uh, verse 9 through 12 when he's, he says, live this way, this list of five things, and uh, don't repay evil for evil. And it's like, well, Peter, you don't know how I was treated. You don't know my ex-husband. You don't know about my boss. It's fine if I mistreat those people. Again, conjuring Jesus, who is mistreated, and instead uh, heals people. 
instead is generous with them, that Peter is calling us to live the same way, that he's, that he's not offering for us behavior change, but actually a new life, a new way of living. And we see that as, as uh, this is in verse 10, where Peter is quoting Psalm 34. In the very beginning here is, whoever desires to love life. He's not saying whoever desires to love a new uh, way of living at work, a new spreadsheet that you can download. Hey, I've got one for you. He's saying a new life. This is going to encompass everything. And then here we go, another list. That keep your tongue from evil, lips from spreading deceit, and turn away from evil. And then instead offers a, a way of living that is positive. Do, this, this is the next verse, and do good. Pursue peace. Th- these are really, really challenging things in the middle of suffering. Because it feels like it's overwhelming. It feels like it's all-consuming. How, how can I possibly do uh, good things and pursue peace when I'm hurting? I, I would like to be hurting other people, especially the one who hurt me. And instead, Peter calls us to this list of five things. Uh, so, so real quick recap here. Blessing and suffering, they can happen at the exact same time. And our response to suffering is this list of five things here. Our response to suffering is unity of mind. It's loving other people. The, the, if you have your scripture journal, you can highlight these, these five things. Blessing and suffering can happen at the same time. And living in this way of this list of five. So then Peter says in verse uh, 13 to 15, Hey, be prepared to give a response for anyone that asks of you. Be pre- being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks of you for the reason of your faith. And I think this is a really funny moment because uh, I think Peter is sharing this out of his own experience. That he himself has been put into jail many times, has been arrested, has been flogged, has been beaten, and then he comes out joyful. Isn't it natural to go, Why? And that Peter is just saying, from, hey, I think, from my own experience, I've been put in prison a lot of times, and people keep asking me why I'm so happy. I think if you're going to live this way of joy for Jesus, that you too are going to be asked the same thing, and that we get to be prepared to witness in words. That when people ask us about our lives, because they look so different than, than other people around us, people are going to ask so be prepared to give an answer, not, not because there's a test coming, but simply because other people are curious about you, that we have a, an ability to witness with our words. And the same thing, we have an opportunity to witness with our life. And I don't know if you've seen this movie or not, or, or read the book. Has, has anyone read the book or seen this movie, Unbroken? Okay, one person, two people. Okay, that's great, that's great. You're gonna love this story. The movie and the book are radically different, and I think this is why it matters so much. In the movie, you, you see him holding up this, um, it's something like a railroad tie. It's incredibly heavy. He's a World War II POW, and he's just being abused beyond belief by the Japanese captors. And one of the things he has to do is, is hold this up, and if he drops it, then the enemy is going to shoot him, and he's gonna die right there. And he goes through trial after trial after trial, and, and he takes it. And he has this mantra, if I can take it, then I can make it. And, and then he ends up living unbroken 
by the enemy, by his captors. And then the movie ends. And you're like, wow, man, what a tough guy. You know, the problem here is that's super unaccessible for us because it feels like, well, I'm not that tough. So am I broken? I can't handle all that abuse. The, the, the book continues his story when, he, when he's freed and he goes back home to America. He just has these wild nightmares and PTSD from his captivity that he can't get over. And he ends up waking up in the middle of the night. Um, the nightmare is he is, is choking the, the Japanese captors and he's like finally getting revenge. And he wakes up and he's actually strangling his wife in his bed. And it's like, oh, you, you didn't come home unbroken. You came home the most broken. And he ends up finding relief from these nightmares, from the, this horror that's plaguing his mind. He finds it in Jesus because he, he ends up forgiving his captors. And then later he goes to Japan and is able to visit with them face to face and offers and, and says, I have forgiven you. It, is that not the most like crazy example of living those five things in the middle of suffering that you would offer forgiveness to the very people who tortured you? That is unfathomable. And at the same time, that is accessible to all of us that we don't all have the ability to have like the, the mental and the physical strength to like take all the abuse. But, but I do have access to Jesus who, who offers tender love, unity, humility, love for other people. I do have access to that. And, and that allows us to live this life instead of being unbroken, that we'd actually embrace broken that that is who I am and I need Jesus as healer of my life. The, the beautiful thing about how he ends his, about how Peter ends his letter is that he points us to Jesus and he talks about this victory in Jesus' suffering. And, and that in, in verse 18, he very explicitly says why Jesus does all the suffering. And what he says is that, that he, Jesus, might bring us to God. The unrighteous for the righteous. Talking about Jesus. The unrighteous for the righteous. And that the, the beauty in all of this is that we don't have to do, go through the ultimate suffering, but that Jesus does. And that for a guy like Peter, who followed around Jesus, and he, he gets two letters in the Bible... And he doesn't really reference his time with Jesus. He doesn't say like, ah, remember that one time I walked on water? That was crazy, right? He doesn't do that. He, he mentions two accounts of Jesus from, from, from his memory. And one of them is mentioned many times, and it's this one, the resurrection. And so we've, we've got to recognize that this is a big deal that a lot rides on the resurrection because Peter is bringing it up multiple times to say, you've, you've got to pay attention. Jesus is real. His resurrection is real. His love for you is real. And I think that the, the, the thing that has been the most clear is that in the middle of Jesus' suffering, 
he enacts these five things. If you look at him being arrested, Peter cuts off someone's ear. In the middle of being arrested, Jesus picks up the ear and heals the very people who are going to take him to the cross. And then when he goes to the cross, he's got seven words. And the first one is, Jesus, uh, Father, forgive the people who've brought me to the cross because they don't know what they're doing. The first things that he, he does in the middle of his suffering is he loves in return. Oh, this is mind-blowing. And then Peter invites us to live the same way. For me, the, the fuzzy things that were made a little bit more clear and, and maybe made more clear for you is, so if I just, if I keep doing good and the bad doesn't stop, what do I do then? And for me, the first one was um, Peter, is writing to, Peter is writing himself from suffering to people in suffering. And, and there's a lot of power in that, of, of suffering together. That you, that you do this in unity with other people. And that I'm not calling you to just be happy and get over it. But instead, maybe one of the things that you do in your suffering is you're with somebody or allow somebody to be with you. The same way that Peter is with the people that he's writing to. And then secondly, that blessing and suffering, they get to happen at the same time. And that maybe actually in our suffering, we will see God more clearly because we are more dependent on him. That we are made more aware that we can't do it, but that God can. And then finally, one of the things that was just the most helpful was that uh, it's not up to me. And that hope in Jesus is, is absolutely secured because of his resurrection. And then what Peter points out is through baptism. That your baptism is securing you to Jesus. And that especially in, if it, it feels like, well, to be a Christian, I have to believe, so I'm in. But what happens if I either stop believing or my beliefs waver Am I out? Because it can, it can, if it was easy to get in, is it also easy to get out? And what Peter is saying is your baptism secures you in the faith with Jesus, that it is not up to you to believe hard enough or well enough, but that instead you are tied to him. It's not your strength, it's Jesus' strength. Th- these are the three things that were made way more clear for me. And and as we're moving through First Peter and Second Peter, that, that we could be reminded of a guy who is himself very broken, and Jesus chooses him anyways. The same way that Jesus has chosen us. That our suffering is not God smiting us, but instead that you would see that the God of the Bible loves you dearly. And there are plenty of examples of people who are unlovable, that Jesus chooses. We get to be among those that Jesus chooses. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna echo the words that Peter also uses from Psalm 34 as we pray together. Jesus, we want to enjoy life and see happy days. Keep our mouths from speaking evil and our lips from telling lies. 
Turn us away from the evil and instead turn us to good. Give us the desire to search for peace and to work to maintain it. We are quick to forget, so allow us to remember the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right and your ears are open to our prayers. Your eyes are upon us and your ears are open to us. When the suffering is too great, let us find a way to remember that Jesus, you are present. In your name we pray, amen.